Welcome back to the only show online that is America's uh, number one news and talk source. Yes, that is right. That's Black America's number one news and talk network. That is. Thank you all for joining me on uh, tonight. Tonight we have a bit of a, we're going to uh, do something different. We're going to interrupt our typical programming that is uh, on a typical show we would uh, cover all the news uh, that made news during the day that you typically wouldn't see on mainstream media as it pertains to uh, black America but today uh, as I was beginning to put the show rundown together and preparing uh, tonight's show I came across a story out of Alabama, and I got so intrigued and caught up in that story that I began to do uh, research, uh, more in-depth research and analysis in on that story. And so I wanted to do a special report on tonight on the Alabama penitentiary system because there's a report coming out of the Associated Press on tonight entitled Justice Department Finds Violence, Sexual Abuse Problems in Alabama Prisons. But the reason why I would like to cover this story more in depth on tonight is because the when it comes to a criminal just, our criminal justice system, here in America, and when it comes to black America and black citizens being arrested in America and placed in jail for violent and nonviolent crimes is ridiculously at an on-time high. So I want to uh, look into that tonight with everybody with uh, this uh, special report. And so... Uh, before we uh, get into all of that, you know, I could not let it go by without asking you all to throw a little bit of support behind us here over at the Young Black Panthers uh, Network. And you can support us by heading on over to Twitter and throwing us a follower. I believe we are now up to uh, 10 or 20 followers over there. We uh, are very active on the Twitter platform as well as on the Facebook. So, uh, since you're watching live uh, right now on Facebook, I hope you have smashed that big old like button because we are undergoing right now Project 5K to get to 5,000 li likes. Right now we are a little over 4,000 likes. I believe we are cat close to 4,100. Uh, we're somewhere around 4,090. So. We need your help. It would be great if we could hit 4,100 likes by the end of tonight's episode. Also, feel free to uh, head on over to uh, YouTube to catch all of the recap uh, videos that we have done here on the uh, network and clips and things of uh, that nature. And uh, to throw any type of financial support uh, behind us because the show, uh, it, it's not done without 
any help from all of uh, you, our viewers, we need you to head on over to join.youngblackpanthers.live because we need your help because we want to get out on the road covering stories just like this, hitting the ground, talking to people, because it's through talking to people on the ground and developing those uh, relationships that we really find out what type of news is uh, relevant not only to Black America, but how we remain the conscience and the voice of Black America. So we need your help everybody tonight the main thing so head on over to join.youngblackpanthers.live to make a contribution so with that said everybody let's get to this uh special report tonight like uh this special report is coming to us out of the ap and here's what's making uh, news and let's uh, work our way through uh, this article. And as uh, we work our way uh, through it, I so what I, tonight for uh, the on this episode for this uh, special report in particular, I'm going to work my way through the report, giving you the facts, and then I'm going to lie out some other prudent facts as it remains to the prison systems here in America. And then I'm going to give you my analysis. This, this is uh, probably the best way as I've been thinking in the hour leading up to uh, tonight's show on how I could uh, deliver the show effectively so you would understand the outrage I'm feeling and the outrage of uh, millions of others here in this country when it comes to the criminal justice reform in Black America. So we're going to begin to make our way through this AP report. The Justice Department has determined that Alabama's prisons are violating the Constitution by failing to protect inmates from violence and sexual abuse and by housing them in unsafe and uncrowded facilities, according to a scathing report Wednesday that described the problems as severe and symptomatic. The federal government also is putting the state on notice that it may sue if officials there don't make improvements soon. Our investigation found reasonable cause to believe that Alabama fails to provide constitutionally adequate conditions and that prisoners experience serious harm, including deadly harm, as a result, said Assistant Attorney General Eric Brand, who leads the department's civil rights division. The Justice Department hopes to work with Alabama to resolve the department's concerns. The report detailed a litany of problems in the state's 13 prisons for men, which together house roughly 16,000 inmates. Those include an overcrowding rate that the Justice Department says ranks among the highest in the nation and a crisis-level staffing shortage. In a single week in, 20, in September 2017, the report found two inmates stood guard at the doors of a dormitory in one facility, while the two other inmates repeatedly stabbed a prison who eventually bled to death. An inmate at another facility was stabbed and had to be uh, evacuated by helicopter. 
and a prisoner in a dorm reserved for inmates with good behavior was woken from from his sleep when two inmates attacked him with a sock filled with metal locks. The report is only the latest blow to the troubled Alabama prison system, which has come under criticism for violence, overcrowding, and a high suicide rate. A federal judge in 2017 ruled that the state has provided horrendously inadequate care to mentally ill inmates. The findings are the result of an investigation opened in 2016 at the end of the Obama administration, which was aggressive in launching wide-ranging investigations into troubled police departments and correction systems. In a number of cases, those problems led to agreements rather to make changes under federal oversight. The Trump administration, in contrast, has taken a more hands-off approach. Before he left office last year, Former Attorney General Jeff Sessions, a longtime Alabama senator, released a memo limiting the use of consent decrees struck between the federal government and local agencies under investigation. Alabama has been trying to address crowding through sentencing reform, but the threat of a federal lawsuit will force the state to address other issues such as sexual assaults in prisons, said Republican State Senator Cam Ward, who chairs a legislative prison oversight committee. We don't have much of a choice. Something has got to happen, Ward said. And I couldn't agree more with the state senator that something does indeed need to happen when it comes to the criminal justice system, not just in Alabama, but in all of America. And that's uh, what we are going to be focusing in on tonight, using that report that broke earlier today as the basis of the report. So I went on and I did a little bit uh, more research into Alabama's prison system and take a look at what I found, because what I found is really interesting. Uh, As you can see on your screens right now, and it looks like these uh, clips uh, got tossed in here uh, backwards. So as uh, we can see right here on the screen right now is a report coming out of uh, an, out of a detailed uh, article uh, on criminal justice reform in Alabama that was released a little over two years ago. I want to uh, take you through some of this and read a couple of paragraphs out of this report before I go and give my analysis and thoughts on what I think about all of this on tonight. Uh, The report reads, this section will cover of the three major categories of offenses, drug-related crimes, non-violent, non-drug crimes, and violent crimes. As a preliminary matter, it is useful, it is useful to begin with a brief overview of the sentencing history in Alabama. Before moving into the Pacific Offensive categories, this report will discuss two relevantly recent but hugely important developments on Alabama's sentencing landscape, the Habitual Felony Offender Act and the creation of the developments. It is important to understand 
what they are in a general context because they are relevant to different categories of offenses in different ways. They will be discussed in each of the major sections to follow. But I want you to, I want us all now to uh, pivot back up to uh, that top uh, paragraph because in that uh, top paragraph, uh, we see a couple of different uh, points pointed out. The top paragraph says that study after study suggests a couple different things. The first thing is that money can be used more effectively in other ways, such as drug treatment centers. Number two, there is a diminishing marginal value in dollars spent on incarceration and or number three, the relationship between higher incarceration rates and crime rates is unclear at best. Let me bring the uh, camera back to me before we go to uh, the next slide here. I think it's important and worth noting that in America, we just didn't begin having problems with the criminal justice issues. That just didn't start to work. That didn't just start to happen. I think it's more of a bigger issue now because people are starting to shine a light on it, on this issues, uh, such as uh, prison, and, prison reform and criminal justice reform. Because it makes no sense that there, uh, there are more black people in prison than any other race in America. You don't believe me? Let's, uh, because we are talking about Alabama tonight, let me pull up this uh, graphic for you. Let me uh, pull it up. Uh, this is uh, the graphic I'm looking for right here. Let's pull it up. As you can see right here on your screen right now, that over the past few years, there are some huge disparities when it comes to race. The rate of black people went up from 26% in 2010 all the way up to 54%. While, while the rate of white people in Alabama went down. It decreased from 67% to 42%. That's a problem. And if we look further down on the graph, we see that Latinos and Native Americans, virtually, they haven't budged any within the Alabama prison system. They haven't budged any. Now, Alabama being a southern state, which was part of the Confederate States. Alabama being a former slave-holding state. Alabama being a state that was very active and, for, and on the forefront when it came to 
Jim Crow laws, this information is not surprising at all. But what is surprising, let me take uh, the mic off the stand. But what is surprising here on tonight is a couple different things. What is surprising to me is that this isn't a Southern problem in the United States. This isn't a Midwestern problem, a New York problem, a California problem, an Alabama problem. No, this problem is a United States of America problem. And it's sad that we can look at the data from one prison system in Alabama and take the numbers just from Alabama and compare them to the nationwide numbers of the injustices that black people face when being put in jail, that's the problem. When you can compare those two numbers and they look very similar. The rates of white people that are in jail go down and the rates of black people that are put in jail are going up. Now, you may say, Devante, well, that's not what the data sh uh, proves or shows. I just showed you a graphic, and for those of you that didn't see it, here's the graphic on your screen again. I just showed a graphic that proved that very point. That graphic may have been just for the Alabama prison system, but I'm telling you that that graphic is the same for all of America. Not only do those results and those statistics that we see in Alabama remain the same for all of the country, but one, uh, well, a few of the main reasons that we see numbers like this is because black people are put in jail for a variety of different things that are unjust. We are put in jail for minor offenses, such as having a little bit of marijuana on us. Now, could that be resolved just by legalizing marijuana? That's not for me to say, but I think issues like that could be resolved if we just legalize weed. Because if we think about the whole concept of weed, our ancestors, and when I say ancestors, if we are really true about who our real ancestors are and where we really come from and what continent we were truly brought from in 1619, so what continent we were truly brought from 300 years ago this year to America, we would know in Africa during that time, and in Africa, one of the ways they go about medicine and healing themselves is through a little herb. If you don't believe me, go do the research. I've done the research. Wheat not only helps you medically, but if black people are in jail for minor offenses such as that, shouldn't we do something about that? Shouldn't we not only do something just about that problem, but 
when it comes to black people being in prison, another reason why black uh, the prisons are overcrowded when it comes to blacks in America is because our bonds are put outrageously high. On yesterday's episode, we talked about how a guy who had his car blocked in at a Texas Crackle Barrel, I believe, uh, but it was at a Crackle Barrel down south. He came outside to uh, get his car because he just had dinner with his stepfather, and he saw that his car was blocked in. He asked the white gentleman to uh, move his car, and the white guy called him racial slurs, and it ended up eventually shooting and killing him. And the white boy, Zabel, is only $150,000, but if that would have been a black person, the bell wouldn't have been $150,000. The bell would have been $1.5 million. Something a little astronomical like that. And if black people's bells are higher than white people's, that's a problem because we aren't seeing any justice done when it comes to bell. Not only is that a problem, and it still remains a problem, but I don't know how many of you who are watching the show or listening to it on the podcast are familiar with this book right here by Michelle Alexander called The New Jim Crow. It's a New York Times bestseller. I encourage you all to uh, grab a copy of this book. I've read it twice so far, and I'm working my way through this book again for the third time. But I want to read a little bit out of the introduction of uh, the new Jim Crow to you all tonight, just so you could understand that it's not just Devante putting on another rant about the injustices that black Americans are facing. No, 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 no. This is what statistics are telling us. This is not only what statistics and data is showing us, but this is a fact of the reality. And if you don't want to accept reality, that's your problem. But uh, Michelle Obama, I'm sorry, not Michelle Obama, but Michelle Alexander writes, the more things change, the more they remain the same. Rather than rely on race, we use our criminal justice system to label people of color criminals and then to engage in all the practices we supposedly left behind. Today, is, it is perfectly legal to discriminate against criminal, criminals in nearly all the ways that it was once legal to discriminate against blacks. Once you're labeled a felon, the old forms of discrimination, employment discrimination, housing discrimination, denial of the right to vote, denial of educational opportunity, denial of food stamps and other public benefits, and exclusions from jury services are suddenly legal. As a criminal, you have sacredly more rights and arguably less respect than a black man living in Alabama at the height of Jim Crow. We have not ended racial caste in America, but we have just merely redesigned it. 
But I, I, I think I need to repeat that again before I go on. She says, we have not ended racial caste in America. We have just merely redesigned it. I think I need to stop right there. Because I agree with uh, Michelle the writer. That in America, the new Jim Crow, some of you may argue, is LGBTQ rights. But no, baby, no, that's not the new Jim Crow. The new Jim Crow is the criminal justice system in America because all of a sudden now it's legal to discriminate against a felon when it comes to employment, when it comes to housing, when it comes to voting, and when it comes to sitting on juries, all because they have been convicted, or I shouldn't say convicted in some people's cases, because a lot of people are being misconvicted. So what I'll say, in most cases, not right. Most cases labeled as a felon. So I, I come... And I'm asking the question, why? Why is this now happening in America, criminal justice? Why is it like this? But then, when I asked myself the question, why, earlier, I immediately already knew the answer because game recognizes game, everybody. And the moment Jim, uh, the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act was passed and the Jim Crow laws were legally abolished in America. White America, white races America needed another way to control the black population. You don't believe me? They're building more jails in America right now than they are building hotels. And not only, I won't even go there. I'll, I'll stop. I'll, I'll save that for, for a little bit uh, later. I want to go back to uh, the book uh, when what she writes. In my experience, people who have been incarcerated rarely have different difficulty identifying the parallels between the systems of social control. Once they are released, they are often denied the right to vote, excluded from juries, and regula regulated to a racially segregated and subordinate existence. Through a web of laws, regulations, and informal rules, all of which are powerfully reinforced by social stigma. They are confined to the margins of mainstream society and denied access to the mainstream economy. They are legally denied the ability to obtain employment, housing, and public benefits, much as African Americans were once forced into a segregated second-class citizenship in the Jim Crow era. 
While it is true that the publicity surrounding crack cocaine led to a dramatic increase in funding for the drug ward, as well as sentencing policies that greatly exacerbated racial disparities in incarcerated rates, there is no truth to the notion that the war on drugs was launched to re in response to the crack cocaine epidemic. Change needs to happen when it comes to criminal justice reform. That's why I continue to say and why I keep saying that candidates Andrew Gillum, candidates Cory Booker, and candidates Kamala Harris cannot get the black vote from black America just because they are black. They have to lie out policies just as all the other white candidates do, the same way as Bernie Sanders and Peter Buatik and um, Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar and Elizabeth um, Gillibrand and all these other people, Tulsi Gibbert, they have to lie out agendas for black America if they want our votes. But not only do they have to lie out agendas for black America, we need in their agenda and their platform social criminal justice reform. Let me repeat that again. We need criminal justice reform on the platform for all of these candidates who are running for president in the United States. But it's a damn shame that in America, we as black Americans will vote for anybody, even if they do not have a black agenda, meaning uh, uh, they don't have policies when it comes to health care. They don't have an economic policy that is not only good for white America, but good for black America. And not only do they not have an economic policy to get jobs for black America, but they don't have an education policy. Some of you may argue that. Uh, Kamala Harris's education policy that she just rolled out saying she would increase teachers pay wages 15% is a good start. No, baby, no. How in the hell is that helping the education system in America if Teach schools still don't have the proper funding. I understand that teachers need to get paid. Everybody needs some money. Everybody needs some money. But how in the world is raising teachers' pay, increasing each individual teacher's pay, 15% going to help students in getting an education? Is it really, truly going to help the teachers give a damn in the classroom? Well, I don't know. It may help a few of them give more of a damn about the students, but I guarantee you that we will still continue to see bullying and other things going on in our schools and our schools not having the adequate amount of funding that are, they need and inner city schools specifically falling apart at an all-time high. I told you in a previous episode that there are schools in America 
where the ceilings are literally caving in, textbooks are falling apart, and yet students are expected to come there every day and to learn and get an education. If they didn't have a not so good home life already now when they get to school they have to worry about all these problems if the stealing is going to cave in oh you're just giving a harsh critique of the american education system no i'm not you need to recognize what the truth of the matter is and this is the truth of the matter that we need some real change. And the only way we are going to see real change is if we push all of our candidates and we question each and every one of the candidates and ask, so what is your agenda for black America? Where do you stand on these issues? Because if we don't find out where they stand on these issues, we will never see change. But I'm reminded of an old quote that uh, my grandmother once uh, shared with me before she passed on when, she, uh, when we were having a conversation one day. She said, Devante, nothing changes if nothing changes. And the other day I was uh, thinking about that quote. And while I was thinking about that quote, I thought, well, grandma was right. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And it's quite stupid to keep doing the same thing and expecting the same, same results if we are going to want something different. So nothing changes if nothing changes. So it's not a surprise that America went from a black guy in the office to a racist guy in the office of the presidency. Oh, Devante, you're just giving a harsh critique. No, I'm not giving a harsh critique. I'm challenging us to look at the issues at face value for what they are. I lied out all the facts for you at the top of the show. So when we got to my analysis and my critique of the American criminal justice system, you wouldn't have any excuses. And we looked specifically at Alabama's criminal justice system on tonight, because Alabama's criminal justice system looks the same as America's criminal justice system. But let me go back to the book. Michelle Alexander writes in the uh, New Jim Crow, it bears emphasis that the CIA never admitted, nor has any evidence been revealed to support the claim that it initially sought the destruction of the black community by allowing illegal drugs to be smuggled into the United States. In less than 30 years, the U.S. penal system exploded from around 300,000 to more than 2 million with drug convictions accounting for the majority of the increase. I just told y'all that we need to do something about legalizing marijuana. It's not because I like to smoke the good herb. No, no, no. We need to do something about it because 
our jails are overcrowded, and they're overcrowded for this very reason well over 85% of the time. But let me continue to read. In Germany, 93 people are in prison for every 100,000 adults and children. In the United States, the rate is roughly eight times that or 7,500 7, per 100,000. It is estimated that three out of four young black men and nearly all those in the poorest neighborhoods can expect to serve time in prison. Y'all know what? Uh, when I turned about six or seven, my mom began to uh, teach me something. And she's uh, taught it to uh, my 17-year-old brother. We haven't begun teaching it to uh, my three-year-old brother yet, but uh, we will here very shortly. And what she began to teach me at the age of six or seven, and she still instills it in me today. She called me up and said this uh, yesterday in a conversation. And what she told me, Panther Nation, was this. That when I gave birth to you, you were birthed with two strikes out of three strikes against you already. Those two strikes being that I'm a man and that I'm black. So three strikes, I'm out of the ball game, but I already have two strikes against me because of my race. And that's a shame. And we see that. Michelle Alexander and her critique and her writing of the new Jim Crow, she says that three out of every four black people, black young men, that is, 75% will serve time in a prison. So I'm that one fourth. I'm that 25% that hasn't served time in jail yet, but 75% of people have, of men have. She goes on to write, in some states, black men have been admitted to prison on drug charges at rates 20 to 50 times greater than those of white men. Governments decide how much punishment they want, and these decisions are in no simple way related to crime rates, Michael Tonry explains in Thinking About Crime. But if we take that fact into uh, consideration from thinking about crime, we see that that fact clearly points out if we put crime and punishment in a comparative perspective, we see a couple different things. We see more than a few different things. I want us to think about that tonight. That governments decide how much punishment they want in these decisions in no simple way. In no simple way. In no simple way. I'll continue to say that until... It sinks in in no simple way are related to the actual crime that was committed. Let's go back and 
look at these uh at the history of the Alabama penal system. Let's go back and check it out. It's on uh, your screen right now. As suggested above, the story of sentencing in Alabama is in some extent merely the story of sentencing in the United States, writ small. Beginning in the mid to late 1970s, federal, state, and local government responded to growing concerns about crime by enacting policies that resulted in an unprecedented, unprecedented increase in the population of the nation's prisons and jails. In the 80s, incarceration became the primary tool for responding to the perceived in intimate threat of crime, particularly for drug-related crimes. The number of drug offenders who went to prison increased by 478% as compared to a mere 119% increase for all other convicts. Politicians, regardless of political persuasion, saw a get tough on crime message as critical to a successful campaign. While the media tended to feel the fires through an increasing and disproportionate focus on crime in its coverage, one study indicated that there was a 100% increase in news on crime between 1992 and 1993, despite the fact that crime rates remained more or less the same during that period. Let's go on to the next slide. As the Alabama Sentencing Commission has noted, criminal laws and sanctions in Alabama historically have been driven more by anecdotal evidence than by careful analysis. High-profile cases produce knee-jerk reactions from legislatures and those otherwise positioned to influence the state's sentencing laws. Too often, bad politics makes for bad policies, which rather than immoralizing the perceived problems, in fact, exists, exacerbate Alabama's troubles and potentially put citizens at greater risk. These observations devolve with abundance of data that call into question the cost effectiveness of severe sentencing regimes. And a simple get tough philosophy. I think that's that says a lot. It really does that be here in America because we elect officials and the officials that we elect happen to 
say if you commit the crime and you're black, we're going to throw the full book at you. That's the problem. They give these like knee jerk reactions to high profile cases. What's a high profile case, Devante? Well, a high profile case is when, for example, OJ committed murder or when OJ ran from the police. Another example of a high profile case is when, is when a black guy shoots or causes some type of harm to uh, someone of high profile or high stature, them or their loved one, or someone with wealth and fame. That's considered a high profile case. High profile is all about when you got money or when you got status. But the question remains is, what are we as black America going to do about this problem? Because make no mistake, it is a problem. What are we going to do about it? I'm telling you, what we need to be doing is challenging each and every one of our elected officials and people who are seeking the office of not only presidency, but of city council, of state uh, senates, of U.S. Congress, of uh, the United States Senate, of Attorney General, and all of these other races that go on on a local level. If we challenge all these people who are in office and that are going to be running for office, not just in 2019, but in 2020, about what are they going to do when it comes to the criminal justice system in America or in your city to reform it to make it fair for all when we begin to ask them the question of that and when we back it up with facts that are found in Michelle Alexander's book The New Jim Crow and when we back it up from facts found that were found in today's special report on this episode of crime not only in America but in Alabama when we back it up with all these stats and all of this data and we take it to them and we challenge them and we don't let up from challenging them and asking them what are they going to do to reform what is their policy and then we not only not only take our foot off of pushing them on what their true policy is but we get everybody together to say if you don't have a policy on this you won't be in office but we won't do that because we're content or it's not so much that we're content it's that so much of black America is so ignorant to the fact of why voting is important and voting is important no doubt it, voting is so important that people died for y'all's black asses and the reason that they died for your black asses is because they understood that if they were going to get anything done they needed to be able to vote and we just got voting rights really put into law 51 years ago 1965, well, a little over 50 years, 54 years. But 
y'all still aren't understanding that the Voting Rights Act wasn't renewed just a couple years ago. And so now there are still problems and suppression when it comes to voting. I just told y'all that the new Jim Crow is the criminal justice system here in America and uh, felons are discriminated against at an all-time high. And because there are more black felons than there are white felons, and if you don't believe me, go do your own research. But no, if you have other stats, feel free to email me at youngblackpanthernetwork at gmail.com, feel free to email me so I know what those stats are. But since I've already done the research, I know that there are more black felons than there are white felons. And since there are more black felons than there are white felons, there's something that needs to be done. So when these felons get out, they have equal uh, chances uh, to get employment. So they have equal chances to get health care. So they have equal chances to get food stamps and to get voting rights, to be able to vote, to be able to serve on a jury. But since they don't have these rights, we have all this voter suppression going on. And we don't just have voter suppression going on among felons, but we have voter suppression going on just among the average people that vote every time there's an election. But we won't stand up as black Americans and say, hey, that's a problem. And we have had enough of these type of problems. And because we've had enough of it, we're going to vote all of your asses out of office. We need to stand up and say we have had enough of the voter suppression here in, Amer in black America. Not only have we had enough voter suppression in black America in 2019, but we have had enough of the housing discrimination. We have had enough of our children, of our babies, of people who look like us not being able to receive an education like white America is. We have had enough of all all these problems we have had enough of grocery stores not being in our communities and because they aren't in our communities and we aren't able to access them we can't adequately feed our children enough food we have had enough of all of this type of racism and if this type of racism and discriminatory practices continues to happen we won't stand for it and not only will we not stand for it but we will vote y'all's asses out and replace you with some people who are willing to stand up and say that they give a damn about the same issues that we give a damn about. I've had enough of all of that. I've had enough of all the injustices. Some of y'all watching the show some of y'all who are listening to the show right now are saying Devante you're wasting your breath people have marched they've died for these very same issues and they aren't going to change we were promised 40 acres in a meal we've gotten our meal but we aren't going to get our fucking 40 acres we just aren't so quit fighting you know what 
If you have that attitude, you don't need to watch this show. You don't need to watch this network or listen to this network any longer because we are going to fight for the issues of black America and we are going to be black America's conscious and black America's voice and stand up for black America when black America doesn't want to step up for themselves and fight for our issues. We're going to fight for our issues here in black America because people who came before us fought for issues issues just like these and not only did they fight for issues just like these they died Ida B. Wells, Frederick Douglass, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Rosa Parks I could go on and on and on and on and on naming all these people who gave a damn about black issues and died W.E.B. Du Bois all they did was give a damn about black America because they gave a damn about black America. They gave their service. They gave their service to black America. They gave their lives to black America. They gave all that they had. They put their lives on the line for us because they loved us and they wanted America to live up to that creed that's put in that false paper that y'all all pride, pride around uh, in call it the Declaration of Independence that says we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Well, you might say, Devante, why are you so passionate about issues like this that are affecting black America? Because if it wasn't for blacks going through these issues, white women wouldn't have the issues, have the same rights that they have now. Because let me remind you that the Declaration of Independence said all men, meaning all white men, are created equal. The reason why gays have issues in the LGBTQ community have rights today is because of blacks. The reason why Latinos and Asians and every other race here in America have rights is because of blacks in black America. Because we have people who gave a damn about our issues, who put their lives on the line. Because we had people that cared and we fought and we died is the reason why all of these other people have rights today. But the question now becomes, why don't we still not have those rights? Why don't we give a damn about the issues that matter to us all? Why don't we? I'm going to close with this final thought. And this final thought that I'm going to close with is a challenge. And I want to challenge each and every person listening to this podcast, listening to not only this podcast, but watching this show right now in its entirety. To share it out to at least one person because you give it down. And by you sharing it out to at least one person, we could begin to form this army and this army that we're forming and that we're beginning to form is going to bring about change in this 2020 election because 
check this out. Check this out. This 2020 election is not about race. It's not about a person's sex. It's not about their sexual preference. It's not about any of that. What it is about is if the person that we make our next commander-in-chief, if they're going to stand up and represent all Americans, that's what it's going to represent. And by you sharing this out, that's what we are going to be fighting towards. I'll see y'all back here on tomorrow's edition of the Young Black Panther Show. I'm your boy Devante, and remember, you're listening to when you're listening to nothing but the best of news and talk. You're listening to the voice of Black America, the Young Black Panthers Network. And if you fall down, you can get up because if you can get up, you will be so much. <laughs>